All right. I also have a bit of a cold, so I um good. I mean not good, yeah. but you know, good for the show. Good for the show. <laughs> not for you. I hope you feel better. Thank wow, you. I feel like a fucking asshole now. Um anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Android Police Podcast. My name is Daniel Bader. This week on the show, it's uh Pixel feature drop, which includes a few interesting tweaks to your Pixel phone experience. Will will get into that in just a second. I don't know. There's some quality of life improvements rolling out to Pixel users, so it'll be a Pixel-heavy segment. Uh, we see our first animated glimpse, I guess, at the Pixel Fold. We're learning a bit more about this upcoming release, when it's going to be available. And it's coming around the time that Oppo is also going to release its next-generation foldable, the Find N2. We've, we've seen some leaks around that as well. We're expecting Oppo to announce it next week at its uh, Innovation Day. So we'll talk about what we know about that device. And I don't know about you guys, but this whole week has just been full of people talking about this Lenza app, as well as ChatGPT, this new chatbot that like solves all of our lives' problems. I'd like to talk about that a little bit if you guys are are uh, are up for it. I so, have no idea Ara, what you're talking Will. about because I was on vacation. <laughs> I, and I was like, I don't know. What you, any of those you've words definitely mean? Seen it. Oh, while you were on vacation, Ara, AI took over. We actually we live in a Skynet world now, so yeah, cool. exactly. We're yeah. we're in the Matrix, and the transition was so smooth, <laughs> you didn't notice. It's uh, <laughs> it just happened the way the robots intended it. <laughs> Wasn't that the whole point of like the Matrix Two? Was that the machines took over so seamlessly that one day everybody just woke up and they didn't realize that they'd been made into batteries? Uh, Dan Daniel, I you have a heart out in fifty six minutes, and I don't have time to get into <laughs> how I think the Matrix Reloaded is the best Matrix movie. So let's not. I let's mean, not even that's start definitive that fact. So actually, let's get into it because I agree with you somehow. Do you really? You think Reloaded is the best too? People do not share this opinion with me. People okay, get it's mad not. At me. I mean, if you're talking about just like a standalone okay, movie, sure, it's certainly not the best. It, it's but obviously as, the first one is like the best and in like, but like, like my favorite is Reloaded. It's, oh, totally. it's a, such an insane movie. It's so bananas. It's the best. It's like the most extra of all of them. And Absolutely. that includes the fourth one, which was a disaster. I, 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 I still like maintain like we need to, I still maintain we need to start up our own movies, music, and, and pop culture podcast because every week we just seem to have more and more in common. Will. I mean, we've if, already if, said if that y'all should do like a special Andor episode and see whether or not you can spin it off. I'm down. I'm, I you mean like every other Star Wars spinoff, one of yeah. eight of which is any good? We have like a 12% uh, chance of the podcast being any good <laughs> based on that track record. Let's not go any deeper into that. Um, sure. That rabbit hole. I, I warned you. I stopped it. <laughs> Follow the white rabbit. All right, Will, you got this big yeah. explainer of what the December Pixel feature drop is all about. We finally got Clear Calling, which was a feature that Google actually announced at the Pixel 7 launch. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about Clear Calling a bit because I have um, struggled to <laughs> identify what it is or is not doing. So I'm that's I'm not a great to- thing. That's no, I it, it, no. We'll get to it, but yeah, it, it, continue with your intro to the December feature drop. All right, so we got clear calling. We got free VPN rolling out to all Pixel users, as opposed to mm-hmm. just for Google One subscribers, which I think is very cool. Yeah, uh, we get some new recorder tools. We get some tweaks, an update to 
the way that Wi-Fi interacts with with airplane mode. Which and actually, Bluetooth too is actually kind of new. It has a has a new change in this. Um, it, it's not quite as noticeable as the Wi-Fi one because they had already tweaked how it worked in Android 11. But we'll, right. we'll get to it. Yeah. So yeah, like it's interesting because this was a triple threat. This was a security patch. This was a QPR one quarterly release update that builds a bunch of bug fixes and non-user facing performance improvements into Pixel phones. And there's this kind of marketable feature drop that Google now does every quarter. So it was really quite a significant way to end the year, which is arguably like the best hardware year that Google's ever had from a Pixel perspective. Oh, for sure, yeah. So they're ending the year pretty strong. Yeah, um, they're ending it strong with an asterisk. And this is something that has been kind of, uh, and I think it's it's really coming to a clearer picture with this update. So the December, or I guess... You know, as long as they've been doing feature drops, because it's not always in December, but the first feature drop post new flagship launch has always been focused on giving new features to the phones that just came out, even though they just came out. And then older phones always get a little bit, you know, like here, here's some wallpapers, here's some software tweaks, et cetera, et cetera. But with this one, it's annoying me more than usual because for two things, one, Google claimed back in October when the Pixel 7 launched and they announced clear calling which would arrive in a future update that the pixel six series would get it. And they're not, they confirmed it this week. Uh, I believe with the verge that the pixel six series is not getting clear calling in a future update anymore, which is like I said, kind of par for the course for this stuff. A lot of this feature drop is pixel seven only, but we're now living in a tensor world. And I think it's different. I think that's kind of how I want to frame all this is right from the jump is that I think in a world where Google is, if not manufacturing, at least marketing its phones as, you know, powered by Tensor and, oh, we're not just using Qualcomm stuff anymore. We want this to be our hardware from the ground up, right? Whether or not they're essentially Samsung chips, whatever. I think it's kind of ridiculous to have one-year-old hardware suddenly not get a bunch of new features because uh, the first-gen Tensor chip just isn't powerful enough for, you know... Uh, so for, for clear calling, which we can get to in a second, but I just, I'm not sure I believe them. Oh, I definitely don't believe them. I, I don't think I believe them. I think they just want to sell pixel sevens and, and this is how they're going to do it. But if that's true, or even if it's not like it makes it harder to recommend a pixel phone because in a year, the pixel eight is going to get a bunch of new features in December that the pixel seven won't. And I think that's really frustrating from like a, a consumer perspective. Yeah. I think there's two potential answers to this. It's likely that the original Tensor could have done this. And and whether or not it could have done this without massively impacting another part of the phone experience or whether you would end up adding a ton of maintenance overhead as the branches expanded, right? You have to think about how Google probably builds these features. They think about what hardware do we need how much processing power do we need? How much background battery life stuff do we have to keep in mind here? We know that the Tensor G1 already ran pretty hot. You know, all of these things. We know that the modem inside the Tensor G1 was literal garbage. All of these things probably factor into it. And, you know, I've spent a lot of my time over the last few months in my new role interfacing with my company's IT team. I mean, you guys know this. It's nothing like I we talk about this all the time, but for people who are listening and they don't know, you know, what I do is I basically I interface between the editorial teams, the content teams on the tech sites at Valnet 
and the IT team. And I try to find compromise, right? And it's really, that's what it is. It's all about compromise. It's about prioritizing the projects that make sense to the most people. And when I see a, a quote like, Google spokesperson Matthew Flegel told The Verge that clear calling requires the capabilities of the Google Tensor G2 chip processor, so it will not roll back to Pixel 6 models. What I'm hearing is that the path of least resistance to get this out as soon as possible and work as consistently well as possible for as many people is to gate it to the newer chip. And that was likely not an easy decision given that they announced it would be coming to the Pixel 6 back in October. But my guess is that they tried and they tried and they tried and they just could not get it working with this modem to the extent that they wanted. Now, you're probably going to tell me that clear calling just isn't a very good feature because you can't really tell when it's on. <laughs> I'm going to tell talk you about that. that. <laughs> I'm going to tell you that. And I'm also going to tell you that if it was just clear calling, I probably wouldn't be complaining, but it's not just clear calling in this patch that is Pixel 7 exclusive. So those All are right, my So two what things. else is Pixel 7 exclusive? The VPN is for Pixel 7 only. And well, but that was something that they announced when they announced the Pixel 7. That's not a Pixel sure. feature drop I still thing. Think it's, I still think it's shitty. I still think they could have offered it to Pixel 6 owners. There's nothing technically limiting them other than they want to sell Pixel 7s. And that makes me be like, well, then what's the Pixel 8 got, you know? But sure, that's a marketing perspective. Um, the other one is recorder speaker labels are Pixel 7 and 7 Pro only. And I again, I don't believe Google couldn't make this work. I think, like you're saying, Daniel, maybe they tried and they were like, well, it will impact performance x percent or there could be reasons but it, it does make me wonder like okay i told two or three people over black friday to buy pixel 7s are they going to miss out on features in a year even though we see samsung bring or apple bring features to older hardware all the time like in my opinion one year is not an acceptable time frame to start cutting off new features from smartphones when you're rolling out software updates yeah I mean, you're not wrong there. I think my point is completely valid for something like clear calling, which I is agree. extremely complex. And I don't technical. disagree with you. But from like the VPN, that's a hundred percent the same thing that they did with unlimited photos and Google Photos. All right. right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they did that in order to yeah. sell pixels and differentiate it. And now they are doing the same thing. And it's interesting because on the one hand, if you're a fan of pixels, you should be saying Google needs to do everything it can to sell more Pixel 7s than the Pixel 6s, which includes targeting Pixel 6 owners to potentially upgrade. Yeah, which, but that's just, that makes it hard for me to go to someone and be like, buy a Pixel 7 when I, and, and then have faith that they're not going to feel burnt about the Pixel 8. And maybe they won't because this is what we're laser focused on. And someone I tell to upgrade from an S9 to a Pixel 7 is not going to not going to pay attention to the fact that they don't have clear calling or whatever it takes its place next year. You know what I mean? But it, it, it is still to me a little frustrating. And then, I mean, we can talk about this, but yeah, I, I, I would still like to uh, maybe hopefully by the time you're listening to this, there is a hands-on with clear calling on the website. I am finding it difficult to write about because I can't tell when it's off or on. <laughs> so like I've had phone calls with AP's managing editor Stephen Chink this week where we've both had it on or off trying to listen for differences in noise and we haven't noticed so oh um, you need to test uh noise canceling on a call I'm so sorry yeah. I could have helped you with that and gone to a theme park you want to test noise canceling we were doing like artificial street sound from speakers you know I was like oh let me go outside and then I was like there's no wind outside I can't test wind Google sent me a list of things that it should be able to cancel but again like when we were on the call it basically sounded like it was 
canceling already and then we realized that it was like okay call me back with it off let's see how it sounded and it sounded identical i don't know what i'm listening to if it's if it sounds the same when it's off or on so i mean that's not good it's not great but it's also it's also interesting because google really never talked about what clear calling is it's not a different codec it's not like hd voice or some wideband audio improvement it really does appear to be sort of a AI-based noise cancellation tool that works in addition to everything else that suppresses background noise. So it says, clear calling is meant to make your caller's voice easier to hear against background sounds like wind, traffic, or conversation. And that's really difficult to test consistently, right? It depends on the condition. But if you didn't notice any improvement, that's disappointing. On the other hand, and just giving Google the benefit of the doubt here, because it's software-based, it might get better over time as they add more data points to it. Absolutely. That's what I'm struggling with, um, not to get too inside baseball here, but I can't, I don't even feel comfortable writing up a hands-on where I say, this isn't doing anything because it might be. I just don't know. Am I in the wrong situation? Like, am I, am I not testing it right? One of the things was like keyboard noises, but like, it wasn't being picked up regardless. Like, I don't know. Steven's on T-Mobile. I'm on a T-Mobile MVNO. Is T-Mobile doing something in the background to like cancel sound out? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know enough about what's happening in the background with clear calling versus whatever was already there. Steven only uses Google voice usually and called me from his non-Google voice number, which he uses so rarely he had to copy it from the uh, settings menu of his phone and he was like well th this this sounds worse than my normal google voice like like he was already like this is hd voice and i was like yeah we both have hd voice showing up on the call screen and he's like well this sounds worse than normal than when i call through google voice so it's like who knows like maybe phone calls are just bad i don't i don't know there were so many like variables like you're saying like i don't it, it it's without seeing or i guess hearing specific demonstrations of what this is supposed to be doing and like no it, like it, it's it's been talked about in such like vague you know oh it's it's going to be like noise canceling but for your phone calls and it's like maybe I, I i don't you know with noise canceling i usually have a pretty good idea of when it's active and when it's not and i just don't feel that way here i think this is largely because it is kind of one of those you need to be in the right circumstances to see or hear the improvements. It also is interesting. Google is saying in its support docs, the feature depends on your call bandwidth and may not be available for all calls. So what that's telling me is that obviously most people who phone each other in the US, even between carriers, are connecting over LTE, a voice over LTE these days, right? But there are different codecs in use depending on whether you're calling somebody over the same carrier or different carrier. Exactly what I'm saying, yeah. Like, is, and is the fact even that, between then, right. it depends on the phone that you're using, right? Right. So there are so many factors in here. So yeah, I don't know. It, 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 is, it is very weird. And it doesn't, the fact that Google's not saying this is exclusive between Pixel phone owners, like it's not like you're only going to experience it if a Pixel 7 user calls another Pixel 7 user, they're not really doing themselves any favors. Because this is like a marquee feature of both the launch and this December update. They said they want the Pixel 7 to be the best phone for making phone calls. They said that at the launch event. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. 
I would love to go to <laughs> Buffalo doesn't really have like a busy downtown. So like it, it, it is, I can't, it's not like walking around Manhattan where it's very easy to find like a lot of street noise to like cancel out. You know what I mean? Like again, you, you have people. I know. That. I know. Okay. Ari's just looking for an excuse to go to the park. Yes. <laughs> okay, yes, like, I am. Oh, during work hours. I, I guess I'll go. <laughs> um yeah i mean i mean listen if you if you've got nothing going on you were you were on to be fair we were doing this on tuesday and you were off so yes yes i was but anyway yeah hopefully i can get some more concrete uh uh, i I guess a better idea of what this is doing and how effective it is but for now that's that's where i'm at okay so what else there's a bunch of new wallpapers there's Mm -hmm. the vpn thing yep a lot of this we knew was coming. Like a lot of this is basically making good on promises they made in October, which maybe doesn't make for the most exciting or, or surprising announcement, but but it is good to see that this stuff is finally here. There's one thing they have finally rolled out the combined security and privacy hub, which we saw, I want to say, in the first or second Android 13 beta and then like disappeared and they were like, we'll get it to you. And it's, it's finally here. So it just combines those two menus into one easier to use menu it's not like a huge change or whatever i actually don't really understand why it took so long to get here but it is here in this feature drop so that's cool it's like one of the last android 13 changes we were waiting on so i like the fact that the recorder app can now tell between different speakers i mean it it could probably do that before but now it clearly labels them yeah the labels are cool. this is very very google right like i really cannot overstate how much better the pixel recorder app is than like literally every other recording app out there including on the app store like this is something that you have to pay otter what like 30 dollars a month for and you just get it for free on your pixel it's amazing amazing it's the transcription is so good you don't even have to be talking into the microphone like it picks up voices from far away it's pretty accurate i used it all the time in hawaii I would sit down for a tech talk and pull out the phone and start recording. And like, I'm in a room full of a hundred something people all listening to one or a few people rotate on stage. Right. And they're, it's a round room and they're spinning around the room. So they're not always talking in your direction. They have a microphone obviously, but, and like it was able to pick up everything with like basically no incorrect, you know, every so often it would think one word was another word, but it was totally usable. It was, it was great. Spin right round. Yeah, spin right round. round. <laughs> I'm just interested in how Qualcomm does its keynotes. It wasn't the key, the keynote is normal. Like the keynote was in a big ball in the big ballroom with a big stage with a big screen behind it, and then there, there were side rooms where the tech talks were, and there was a center stage right with like okay. seating like around the center stage, and so they're like so it's like at, Shakespeare theater in the round style. Basically, they're looking at 25 percent of the crowd. They turn. 90 degrees or looking or i guess like a wrestling match (laughs) sure yeah Yeah. and then because of this it's more um, modern there's four teleprompters so you can see the teleprompter on the other side of the because because there's obviously going to be one facing you like so yeah it was it was interesting all right so there's also a few new wallpapers out we Mm -hmm. won't really go into that this was the first feature drop for the pixel watch as well we can mention now that fitbit sleep profiles are available uh which isn't a massive thing, but it's something that you get on a Fitbit. Now you can get the same thing through a Pixel Watch. It's part of the Fitbit Premium subscription, but it gives you sort of an overall analysis, a score of your sleep, including how long you've slept and the quality of your sleep. And it basically compares it over the course of time. And it basically just gives you a, 
don't know, more holistic description of your sleep quality. I still don't like the way that Pixel Watch conveys sleep information. I don't like wearing the Pixel Watch to sleep anyway because of its battery life. So it just makes it less convenient. I liked wearing Fitbits to sleep because they were largely, I mean, I would, even the Sense and Versa are lower profile than the Pixel Watch. But if I was wearing like a, an actual Fitbit fitness tracker, I would barely notice it. And it would give me basically the same information. Uh, and it would last for like a week. 10 days so you're you're missing the most important part about these sleep profiles by the way which is that they assign you an animal <laughs> yes oh, yes same as a, the same way that samsung does it, i was a hedgehog it's it's just such a it's like sure fine what animal are you will <laughs> I, I well apparent according to taylor's article the dolphin goes to bed later and takes naps during the day and if you subtract the naps part i'm a dolphin <laughs> you you do remind me of a dolphin yeah, it's I have big dolphin energy. You have <laughs> I was gonna say you have you have aquiline features, but yeah, <laughs> let's go with big dolphin energy. That just summarizes it more succinctly. There's your title, um, Jules. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So not not a ton more there. Um I think the Pixel Watch is improving. It was better value at three hundred dollars than it was at three fifty. But as we know, uh, just some an, another inside baseball. You know, we we wrote up a ton of Black Friday deals. Guess what? Our biggest, you know, our most popular deal was over Black Friday. It sure wasn't the Pixel Watch at three hundred dollars. It was the Galaxy Watch Four at one hundred and forty dollars. A lot of people bought the Galaxy Watch Four over Black Friday because it was a. It's still a very good product, and it's not a ton of money, and it runs Wear OS three, and it's probably going to. I mean, realistically be updated around the same length as the Pixel Watch. So I don't know. I mean, Google's got a pretty big hill to climb here. But we won't dwell on that because we've already beaten that horse. We've beaten that dolphin dead, haven't we, <laughs> over the weeks. Um, all right, the airplane mode thing, Will, let's finish that off and then talk <laughs> yeah, about the Pixel. Yeah, it's real simple. It's just like Pixel a nice fold. quality of life improvement where... Um, it's actually hard to find at first. I thought I hadn't hit me and then I realized I was doing it wrong. So you with um, it seems, you know, to be, that's always the mark of a very good feature is when you don't know whether it's working <laughs> or if you're just doing it wrong. Yeah. Rewind to our clear call discussion. We literally just had. Um, so I thought it was once you update to because it seems to be tied to the feature drop. So I once I updated, I was like, OK, it should once I turn airplane mode on. The phone will prompt me if I want to continue to like use Wi-Fi or whatever, like if I want to leave that on as a default and it didn't do anything. But what you have to do is you turn airplane mode on and currently as it works, your phone will turn off cellular, it'll turn off Wi-Fi and it'll turn off Bluetooth unless you have, I believe it is definitely headphones and I believe also a wearable attached. It won't turn off Bluetooth because it's that was an Android 11 change. It's smart enough to know that you're listening to music. You don't want to turn off Bluetooth. Now, once you turn Wi-Fi back on for the first time, like so so if you're on a plane, you flip off airplane mode, but you want to pay the $150 fee to connect a bad Wi-Fi in the air, you um, flip Wi-Fi back on on your phone and it'll say like Wi-Fi on in airplane mode. If you if you keep Wi-Fi on, it'll just automatically stay on the next time you turn on airplane mode. It'll basically set a default based on how you're using it. You can kind of tweak it in settings, but like. For most people, I think airplane mode is usually used to just turn off cellular. There's really no reason to keep Wi-Fi off. So like 
it will set a default based on how you use your phone, basically. And it also does the same thing with Bluetooth. If you have Bluetooth off when you turn airplane mode on and you turn it back on, whether or not you have a device connected, it'll follow the same rules. So, yeah. This falls into the category of feature that I'm like, <laughs> why did it take like 15 years of Android existing for it to roll out this way? This feels like something that should have been there for 10 years already. And somehow somebody just forgot to program into the pixel. Like, I, I don't understand it. But yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's just there. a handy tweak. Um, I'm glad it's, yeah, glad it's there. Uh, uh, you know, I, there was someone upset in the comments. It was funny, but um, they were like, I want Wi-Fi off. And I was like, it'll it only turns Wi-Fi on <laughs> if you turn it on. It'll stay off. Um, it, it's a good it's a good change, I think, where it like walks the line of like, if, you, if you're turning airplane mode on to turn everything off, it will still keep everything off by default. But if you're turning airplane mode on to just turn off cellular, it'll learn your behavior. All right. So. Last quick thing is a quick update to the Pixel 7's macro mode. So this is something that I've really not enjoyed over the last little bit. The Pixel 7 switches to its macro mode, which basically goes from the main wide lens to the ultra wide lens far too quickly. And then you have to press this little flower overlay to disable it. Now they're moving that to the drop down menu and you can turn it on always sort of like flash turn it on automatically or you can turn it off completely which i think is just a much more logical way to interact with macro mode i very rarely want macro mode on i explicitly want to enable it i very rarely want it to switch over automatically especially when the threshold is very very unreliable like it often turns on when i don't want it and it doesn't turn on when i do want it so let me just control it i've noticed the same thing yeah, it, it, it should have been here. Like like the, the automatic toggle was like a good idea in theory, I guess. But really, this should just be a thing you can just toggle on. And like maybe the phone lets it's the user know for the first time that it's there. But otherwise, it should just be in the settings. Yeah, and, and I, I mean, the funny part is that Apple went through this last year with the iPhone 12. Like they did the exact same thing. And then they walked it back because people kept getting upset that it would turn to macro mode too easily. And then they added a toggle and then they de then they turned it off by default. And it's like, just learn the lesson. Like Apple doesn't screw up that often, but when Apple screws up, like learn the lesson. No, it's, it's, oh man, it's this, it, no one wants to listen to anyone else. I just, I, I had totally missed, uh, not to go on an Apple tangent, but I had totally missed that the, the next iOS beta, whatever the next update will be like 16.2. Yeah. It has, um, the option available in settings to uh, turn the always on display to black and white. Right. Almost like they could have just skipped the whole thing and like figured that out over the summer. But yeah, no, they're finally adding it and it, rendering my editorial obsolete, but you know, close enough. I mean, you got to rewrite it now. <laughs> yeah. I have to rewrite it to be like, it's still bad, but it's a little <laughs> less bad. It's not that they're turning it completely black and white. They're allowing you the to wallpaper. disable the background. Yeah. Well, so but I, I will say like, I, I have like, that the iPhone on my desk right now, like the reason the wallpaper is set as like a dark bluish gray color and not like something fun or colorful is because, like, because the always on display is so distracting. Totally. Yeah. I mean, the interesting part about this is Apple took a big swing and it missed. Yeah. And yeah. it's now rolling it back and it's done this quite a lot. I mean, over the last few years. 
as iOS has gotten more complex. On the other side, like there was Stage Manager, which initially was only going to roll out to the M1 and M2, or I guess M1-based iPads, and then they started they supported it on older iPads, but it, they didn't really fix many of the bugs, and, and they're really like leaning into Stage Manager as a multitasking solution. I don't know. I mean, Apple's going to Apple. Yeah, iPad OS is kind of a mess, but that's a whole that's a that's an episode of a different podcast. That probably. is, it is a different podcast entirely. All right, let's talk Pixel Fold. So yeah. there was a fairly interesting, I wouldn't say anything like groundbreaking, but fairly interesting leak today. We see another good render of what we think will be called the Pixel Fold. This comes after Front Page Tech did a whole episode on the Pixel Fold and talked about its design and all that. We've already spoken about it. I th- Didn't we, did we speak about no, it? No, because that premiered while it was flying to Hawaii and we didn't have a full podcast episode that week. So we actually oh, yeah. haven't talked That's about right. these renders at all. Okay, so I guess we, sh- we should have mentioned it. Um, yeah, it's on us. We were busy talking about Andor. <laughs> I mean, not sorry, to be honest. Um, I-, I guess the thing is here, I'm excited about a Pixel Fold. Like I have my Galaxy Z Fold 4 in my pocket again. I like it. It's a good product. I would still not recommend a foldable to everybody. Like I'm still in that boat. And I think Google kind of understands this. And the $1,800 price point means inevitably that it's not going to be accessible to everybody, right? So that's what the front page tech leak suggested, that it'll cost $1,800. It'll come out in May 2023, probably alongside the Pixel 7a at Google I.O. That seems like the most likely time frame. It has a slightly different camera loadout to what we see on the Pixel 7s, but we don't have exact specs yet. But I think the most notable thing about it is the design. It'll be more of a wide when open than tall, right? So it's not going to be four by three, basically. It'll be more, I don't know, 16 by nine-ish or not quite 16 by nine, maybe 16 by 10. Which I think we've talked about that we kind of wish this was the shape that the Z Fold 4 had, right? Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I think this is the right move. I agree. I guess the other thing to consider here is how Google will adapt Android to work better with multi-display, because Samsung really has done a very good job just dealing with the chaos of multi-app overlays and things like that. And I trust Google, right? Google built Android 12L, Android 13, with pretty robust foldable support. So there's no reason to think it won't be even better than whatever is out on the on you know Samsung's foldables. But yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting choice, right? Because it means that you're using most of your apps in landscape mode or you're really really windowing them and having these massive black bars on the left and right side if you're using it in portrait. Pre-Pixel 7 launch when the Z Fold 4 was like my daily driver. Like I would always turn it 90 degrees to landscape anyway, like I just said and it just feels more comfortable that way because you can kind of get two apps side by side in their usual portrait mode where it feels right versus like very, very tall and narrow. And if you're holding the phone, how it opens. And so for Google to kind of lean into that, I think makes a lot of sense. I think it'll make the front screen feel comfortable. Like we've talked about this too, but I do like the tall and narrow screen on the Z Fold 4. But let's be honest, like I think we all like extra thumb space for typing. So that's cool. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm curious to see Google's vision for what foldables are, because I think they'll have to take it kind of one step beyond 12L. I think 12L was a foundation, but it's not going to be enough to compete with the customization that Samsung has added. Like you said, Daniel, the 
design of the Pixel Fold feels a little first gen e the inner screen has like a very large bezel around it compared to samsung who has basically done away with the inner bezel using a kind of shitty under display camera but hey it's there um this this does not have a notch it has a full bezel around it with with the camera the outside of it looks like a weird pixel 7 prototype like the the camera bar is kind of still there but now it's a huge bump it's like a bar-shaped bump, if that makes any sense on a in an audio format. Um, imagine if you just kind of cut off the far left and right sides of the bump on the 7 Pro. I'm really excited for this, but it's it's I think it's gonna be like a weird I mean it's it's gonna be a first-gen Google product. Like it probably will be like a little little flawed, I would say, like gut instinct, but I'm I'm really excited to to try it out whenever it launches, probably in May. All right, what are your thoughts on foldables at this point? I mean, my main thought here is it still looks freaking huge and it'll never <laughs> fit in my pocket. Uh, I am happy to see more of a like a 16 by 9, more of a like long rectangle than a square like the Z Fold 3 and Z Fold 4. Because I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but that form factor just doesn't look comp. It's not comfortable to hold. It doesn't. It's not wide enough to split screen anything, but it's too wide to just be one app on there at a time. I mean, I'm also like, it took so long for Google to actually like get Pixel right for slab phones that I'm looking at the fold and going, so how many versions of this before it'll actually be worth buying outside of enthusiast circles? Six or seven, depending on your opinion of the Pixel 6. <laughs> hey, the Pixel 3 was the first one that I would recommend everybody buy. So it's only going to take three years this time. No, right, I, I don't enough, know. I think enough. if it's using the same hardware foundation as the Pixel 7, which it is, it'll be fine. I think Samsung has done most of the work to solve many of the engineering problems. But I'm not necessarily worried about the hardware. The hardware looks like it's going to be okay. Google worked with Samsung in order to get foldable UI somewhat passable on the fold, but despite all of its efforts, Google still hasn't proven that it can properly do multi-screen and the scaling and the sizing of the windows and that's so important when you're going to make a folding device that's going to be opening up and being used as a productivity and marketed as a productivity device well let's hope that we get the pixel tablet earlier in the year which i think is currently the rumor because that would give us kind of a better idea of what google is picturing like big screen software with its pixel skin for lack of a better word like because that's basically what it is but like I mean, straight up, we haven't seen like a big screen pixel with what that software looks like. We've seen, you know, changes to AOSP, I guess, and and 12L and all that. But like in terms of what Google is going to do to this stuff, like it does on its pixel phones, like we haven't seen that. So the tablet would give us a better idea of what it'll look like once it comes to the fold, because I would imagine that that UI is close, like closer to the tablet side than the phone side, at least when you have the screen open. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the main advantage is that the front screen is the size of a proper phone, right? That alone is going to be giving you like a 5.8-inch display at 16 by 9-ish aspect ratio. So it's not going to be super tall. It'll be one-hand usable. It'll just be a thicker phone. And then you open it up, and it lets you do either two apps side-by-side or watch movies and and other media in ways that it was originally intended without massive letterboxing. But it 
may mean that some apps just don't work great. And Google doesn't have a great track record of convincing developers to update their apps to support what is essentially a tablet interface. So Samsung has gotten around this over the past few years, both on its foldables and its tablets by just having these labs features, this like compatibility layer that just tries to brute force its way to a solution. And my guess is that Google is never going to accept that as a solution. It's not a company that just gives you like a whole menu worth of labs that you have to manually enable and tinker with. This is going to need to be a robust, full-featured foldable that solves all of those software problems. And, you know, I've used the Find N from Oppo, and it tried to do some of that, but obviously Oppo, the color OS is a is not optimized for foldables. And I'm very curious to see what Oppo does with the Find N2, which is likely to be announced at its innovation day at the end of next week. So once we have a bit more information about that, where they're going to launch it on Android 13, which has built-in foldable support, then we'll, we might have a better understanding of what Google's going to do. But who knows? Google could hit this out of the park. But knowing Google, it, it's never done that on, on a first try with a new category. In the final few minutes, I mean, we don't have to discuss too much of this. I know, Ari, you said you haven't really been keeping tabs on it, but there, there are two things or three things that I just want to do a quick lightning round. So one is this Sunbird app that's making the rounds on both Apple and Android blogs. Sunbird is essentially an iMessage solution for Android phones. Nobody knows how it works, but essentially you use the Sunbird app to communicate with iPhones over iMessage, and they see your Android phone as an iMessage endpoint, ostensibly using your phone number or an email address, which is which are the two ways that you register an iMessage account. Again, it's proprietary. Nobody knows how it works. Android Authority got access to the app and still didn't get it to work. They got a briefing. They got a video. They got access to it. They tried it. It's, it, it's not working. But Sunbird says that it's still early days and they will make it work. The thing about it is that Unlike something like Beeper, which allows you to relay iMessages by having a Mac or iPhone that essentially acts as your intermediary, Sunbird says that you don't need any middle person. They are essentially acting as that middle person and that their servers can relay thousands of messages through the same place. Long term, however, it's unclear if Apple is just going to shut this down because it certainly can, especially if they're doing something underhanded to make this relay work i yeah, i don't really yeah, know i but uh, so okay so feels sketchy to me i've not tried beeper i've tried air message and i've tried blue bubbles which are two of the other kind of main use a mac mini and relay your messages and you can text from your phone number or whatever right both of them are fairly buggy also one of them makes my mac mini crash all the time i'm not sure which one and, and if it crashes then it reboots you can't do anything until you're in front of the computer so it you know i would call it unreliable at best the only thing i can think of and like they they must just have like servers of mac minis right like i don't like i don't know what else they've figured out that would allow them to do this which raises i know they're championing end-to-end -end encryption but like it's one thing for me to like basically use like a computer that's in front of me to like send messages through through air message or blue bubbles but i would be more nervous about it if i'm sending my account data to a mac that they have in a building somewhere which again i just i just assume that that's unless they've cracked the code somehow on on the stuff like that's what i assume they're doing 
But I don't know. I don't know. I signed up for the beta. I'm curious. I don't know when or if I'll get access, but maybe I'll see if I can get a, a briefing and, and a hands-on of my own. But yeah, weird, weird stuff. Yeah, Apple could fix this at any time if they just wanted to put an iMessage on Android. You know, I'll, I'll pay I'll pay a dumb amount of money per month for iMessage on Android. I think I've said this before. That's not even what I want. Like that's that's the that's or not RCS. the solution. Also, RCS. Just bring RCS. Like, either way, that's I'll, I'll take I, I'll take either. But I don't I don't like. I have made it very clear that I don't think Apple will ever add RCS support unless they're forced to. So if the next best thing is me giving up and paying for iMessage for Android, yeah, I would do it. Yeah. So so would like two hundred other people, and then Apple would actually shut it down and then make it known that only 200 people signed up oh no i mean like an official like a like a like apple puts the app on the the play store and charges a subscription fee for it no that's what i mean and like nobody would anyway oh you don't think you don't think people would do it uh i don't think so no really i I think some people would i I think think there would would be enough people but not a substantial number would be willing to pay Mm, maybe i'm wrong but i don't think you are (sighs) i know a lot of people around my age who would who would do it I know a lot of people who would just switch to an iPhone the next time they upgrade their phone. <laughs> well, there's that too. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, next thing. Uh, nothing is bringing the phone one to the US somehow. We don't know yet exactly. It might just be a direct-to-consumer sale, uh, getting FCC approved, and they're just selling it unlocked. It might be a carrier deal. Don't know yet, but that is going to be a thing. They're not releasing the phone 2 anytime soon, so it's not like this is a huge deal. It's a mid-range Android phone released in like mid-2022. It's fine, but I don't know anybody like clamoring to use this thing in the US. Any thoughts on that? I don't know. It's not even worth mentioning much more than that. Ara, are you excited? (laughs) No, I mean... I'm sorry. I've been awfully quiet today, but I just I I can't bring myself to feel something about that. I'm just wholly ambivalent. I can't bring myself to feel much of anything anymore, to be honest. So <laughs> Jesus Christ, you know, it's just uh, what, what is what is life anymore than you know a series of podcasts separated by six days, six awful days that separate this beautiful hour of creativity in our lives. Well, it's it's fine. This is the last one we're going to do because AI is actually going to take over for us. So it's all good. Yeah, the the, the chat, G, uh, G, I, I never get this right. Chat GPT is just going to write all of our podcast scripts for us going forward. And then we'll never have to do it again because then we'll just use a robot transcription service to actually talk in our voices. Um, no, I, I just wanted to mention this because like Twitter has been blowing up over the last week with people paying money to create AI versions of their photos that aren't yeah. like just filters. I remember a few years ago there were filter apps that people would use. Like this is a very different thing. These are like original artwork basically yeah. like based on photos of you. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's everywhere. People are like using them for profile photos and and stuff. Uh it's kind of gross. Uh we've seen some examples of women uploading their photos and getting overtly sexualized results even though they didn't have any like sexual innuendo in the photo at all like they added cleavage to women that didn't have any cleavage in the photos that were uploaded things like that kind of gross the other part about it as well we don't really know what the company's doing with the data we always talk about this right data these these apps that give you some product in exchange for your photos or personal information obviously they're doing some sort of data harvesting just know what you're doing getting into it. 
but um, training machine learning models to make Skynet smarter, par for the course these days. What's more interesting is this chat GPT thing, which is basically a front end for a massive, uh, it's, it's a chatbot essentially, and it's a front end for a really, really advanced you know, neural network machine learning model that just spits out really smart information about what, what you give it. This is really cool because previous versions of this, uh, G- GPT-3, were hard to use, but this is like you just talk to it and it spits out whatever you want. And there have been every sort of internet person trying to figure out how to take advantage of this, right? Journalists have been using it to like develop dummy blog posts and see how smart it is. Programmers have been using it to like spit out sample code to see how good it is. People have been making fake conversations between celebrities. You know, there's just all of these things that you can do with it, but it just shows the scope of GPT-3 and uh, I think it's GPT-4 now actually. And it's remarkable. It's just like absolutely remarkable what it can do. Sorry, we're on GPT-3.5. Not not even a little bit concerning. I feel <laughs> confident that, that a computer will never replace me, a blogger. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you've got a few years left, most likely. <laughs> yeah, at, make at what I can least. before, before the, the machines come for me. You're just going to have to get into management. Apparently, that's the only way. Robots can't manage. That's the joke. But uh, no, eventually, they'll replace us all. I have no yeah, doubt. They're, they're coming. For now, there, like, there will I be just... coal mines, right? Like, sure. Go back to working in those. Yeah, go, go learn a trade. I think that's yeah. what everybody ter- tells us, right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think it's fascinating. And uh, what I'd love to know is uh, if, if you've used it, let me know what interesting stuff you have talked about with this chatbot because it is as interesting as it is diverse. So, yeah, we're going to leave it there. We're going to. Be back next week with uh, another another great episode of uh, the best hour of your life. But until then, QPR two beta <laughs> next week. Well, something to talk Yay. about. Hopefully, stuff. <laughs> we'll also do our end of the year awards next week. So we'll talk about yep. our favorite products of the year. So that'll be fun. If you want to find more about Will, go to Will underscore Saddleberg on Twitter. You can find Ara at Ara Wagco. You can find me at Journey Dan, and all of us at Android Police. Jules, Point Jules, produces this incredible podcast that you were listening to. So go give him a follow. He's awesome. Uh, and he deserves more of your love. So uh, Joe thanks, Biden Jules. follows him if you need a, a really, you know, like. A it's true. Of, it's true. The president. It's not even a joke. <laughs> the president of the U.S. follows Jules on Twitter. Uh, this is one not, of like 50 fo- people. <laughs> it's like the POTUS account, right? Um, uh, yeah. It's, I think so. it's it. Yes, I think so. I don't know. It's crazy. It is amazing. It's like, yeah, one of 50 people. Um, it's Jules and the Pope, basically, that, that uh, <laughs> yeah. POTUS follows. All right. I love trains. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's the show. We'll be back next week. But until then, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.